Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Oshbeck. And I'm Kevin Feige's penis, also known as Matt Golden. How's it going, buddy? Uh, pretty swell. Uh, this week it's actually a special Paternity Week episode because my wife gave birth to a kid. So we will get back to the latest and greatest uh, stuff in the comic book world soon. But for this week, we're doing another trade swap. Yeah, we have uh, no idea uh, how long we could be away, but we've planned for two weeks. So <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Uh, so trade trade swap here. Uh, and I think this might be, in my opinion at least, the best trade swap we've ever done as far as the books that we've given each other. I'm very, very delighted uh, with what you gave me, and I was extremely excited to hear your opinion on the 1,700-page graphic novel that I gave to you, uh, a magnum opus, if you will. Yeah, this week uh, we closely given us to like more traditional like high art uh that people would probably less snub their noses at when you talk about reading comics. Yeah. Uh, these, they're both award winners, both books that we chose. Yeah. Is is the one that you got for me, is that an Eisner winner? Eisner nominee. Got nominee? Nom- yeah. For this year? Yes. And then the one I gave you is an Eisner winner from last year, if I'm not yes, mistaken. You're correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is some some top level shit. This is that uh, that top shelf shit right here. This is of that course, grand we are Marnier. talking about 1976 issues of Riverdale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the one where Archie still can't decide between Betty or Veronica. And I also gave Alex a issue of Archie from uh, the magazine stand from 2005. It is a classic issue, and Archie. It's pretty much the exact same storyline. Uh, fantastic stuff. Riveting. <laughs> uh, actually, I had the great pleasure of reading uh, X Men Grand Design. By Ed Pixor. Uh, uh, holy shit. I cannot put into words what this man is doing right now. He is... Actually, I can. I can exactly put into words what he's <laughs> yeah. doing right now. Otherwise, it's going to be a very short episode. Yeah, it really would. This guy is doing 300 plus issues of X-Men history. I believe the first 300 issues of X-Men history. And he's condensing it into six roughly 50 page uh, issues. Uh, the fifth one is starting actually... Well... I don't know when you're listening to this. It's probably out now. <laughs> it, it's definitely out now, actually. Um, yeah, it's essentially a love letter to X-Men. Yeah, um, it, it's more than a love letter. It's also just the best jumping on point for anybody who wants to know what happened in those first 300 mm-hmm. issues, but doesn't have time to read 300 issues, but rather 300 pages. Yeah, he tells it like in one coherent story. Uh, he kind of weaves his own like new narrative into it. Without uh, messing up like the big lore or the big uh, continuity of the books, he just kind of blends it all together in one solid book. And the way that he does it is is absolutely phenomenal and superb. He actually tells it from the watcher's point of view, who just is watching, you know, the events go down, and he's kind of just breaking down what's happened in the X Men history. And holy shit! Not only that, he's a he's a writer artist, and the art in this thing. Um, if I'm not putting this in the best art of 2019, uh, you can sue me because this is my favorite thing that I've seen for this year. Also, spoilers for X-Men Grand Design and the other book we'll be talking I about, mean, too. Spoilers uh, from 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yes. Eat shit. Like, if you haven't read the first 300 issues of X-Men, or at least some of them, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I hate to I break it to you. I did not know that 
They Cyclops happen. also Scott Summers. Uh, Ouch, my quiet. Mind. We don't want to give away too many spoilers in this book, but it's basically a just a a beautiful telling, an incredible rendering of and like everything that's happened in X Men history. And like Matt said, it's the art is fantastic in this, uh, and it's done in a more classic traditional style from comic book as it well is too. Jack Kirby uh, inspired. It is several panels per page, uh, almost always following some sort of grid pattern. Uh, with the narrative boxes on top for almost all the panels, uh, dialogue, uh, sprinkled below, and then the old thought bubbles, which you hardly ever see in comics anymore, too. And the cool thing about the collected edition is it's a Marvel Treasury Edition style, which they did from uh, 74 to 81, so for seven, eight years, which is like a 10 by 14 book. So it's not going to fit on any of your fucking shelves. No. Get over it, but it's gorgeous. It really allows um, the art to really speak for itself. And... I don't think that I have seen anything that I could really read for four or five hours. It's only a hundred pages long and just be flabbergasted at the end of it. Even, even the cover is great. The cover is simple for this book, uh, but I think it's great. It's the evolution of man uh, starting from a chimp. When this uh, is all done and this is something I'm going to start doing. Uh, I promise. And this is probably news. to This is definitely news to Alex too, but for the mini series that I do purchase in full, uh, which I'm doing with this one, I will definitely be taking pictures of them as a collective. And the covers for this are just mind-blowingly, mind-blowingly beautiful. And I'm I'm very excited to post them all in a collected edition, have them all uh, splayed out on my floor for one photo, and then to be in a box for the rest of my life. Yeah. Can't wait. Good plan. It's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. Um, but... Like I am a massive X Men fan, uh, as I've talked about. Yeah, as a, uh, as the X Men dude here, what are your thoughts on X Men Grand Design? Like, I, like I feel, I think for you, uh, it was probably more refreshing because it showed you a lot of like cohesive history that you were probably not aware of or were hearing for the first time, or for actually it was made told in a clear fashion uh, and less and it, muddled. It hits the big points. Like it doesn't hit. Obviously, in three hundred pages, you can't hit. 300 issues. You can't do an issue yeah. a page. It's bullshit. It's wrong. It's It would be an affront to the history of the X-Men to do that. He tells the overarching story of the X-Men. Yeah, but he still gets, I mean, Xavier's recruiting of the X-Men, uh, founding the school. He still touches on Magneto being trapped uh, in a Nazi camp as well, too. They get uh, four or five pages a piece, yeah. and it's very much deserved yeah. because those are the founding pieces of the overarching story. Yeah, we still see the birth of the Brotherhood of Mutants as well. It's all, I mean, from those early days of X-Men, all the all the high points. What would you uh, put this book on a scale of 1 to 10? I would probably put it on an 8. Uh, art-wise, the art's fantastic and the storytelling is great. Uh, it's not a book that I want to say, like, you return just to for, like, because it's fun and lighthearted. But it's a book if you just want to appreciate X-Men and the history of X-Men and created by someone who loves comics and loves the characters that they're talking about. Uh, it's a wonderful subject to return to. The art is a 12 for me and the story is like a 9. Like it's it's such a cool, clear, concise way. And even if you've only seen the X-Men in the movies like this, you'll still know everything that's going on and you'll still be like, oh, that's cool. And even if you read these issues – he takes a new spin on it and he doesn't just rely straight on, on the issues. He has a little fun with it. He makes it exciting. He makes it his own. And that's, what's really cool is, is the new elements that you get for it. But 
holy shit. Did we talk about the art for this book? Because <laughs> I'm not sure if we did. Yeah, I mean, the art is fantastic. And I do think having it from the viewpoint of the Watcher is a clever narrative device for a story like this. Uh, I have Second Genesis right now on my shelf. I just haven't read it yet. Oh, you do have it? Yeah, nice. yeah. Nice. Uh, so I'm looking forward uh, to reading the next two issues uh, in this series. Because uh, the Treasure Edition collects the first two issues. And even though it's just two issues, it's it's well worth uh, your money, I think. It's 100 pages there, plus they have the first X-Men story at the end of it. Correct. Yeah, the original one by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Yep. Um, so I thought that was really nice. And you get- It's actually, it's, um, it's Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and some other guy, Matt Golden. He was a part of it, I think. <laughs> yeah. Check it out. Yeah. That was flawless. I, I'm i jealous of your incoming royalty check. <laughs> yep. I, is that how it works? Can I just yeah, get exactly. money now? Yeah. I actually painted the Mona Lisa. <laughs> uh, so give me money, whichever museum has the rights to that right now. <laughs> uh, let's go and talk about the book that you had me read. Um, Matt. Speaking uh, of art and wonderful, beautiful art. Yeah. I uh, got to read my favorite thing is Monsters. Uh, which I was putting off reading because monsters terrify me. Um, <laughs> I have still not seen the original Dracula. I heard the movies are in color now, and that scares me even more. I'm not ready for that. Yeah. Uh, don't watch The Exorcist, bro. Uh, There's no monsters in there, but it's just... Wouldn't a, dream of it. Yeah, don't do it. Uh, that's mostly because the Catholic Church scares me, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't don't watch Michael Bay's TMNT because that's full of monsters, bro. You were, uh, my list is just getting shorter and shorter of what I can watch. Uh, <laughs> but it's by Emil Ferris, uh, who's also an artist and a writer, just like Ed Pixor. Uh, and this book is about 10 million pages long. Uh, it's basically reading the War and Peace version of graphic novels. And he said P- Pixar, but it's P-I-S-K-O-R. Piscor. Yeah, I think that might be it. Piscor? Which seems like an unfortunate last yeah. name to me. But anywho, back to Emil Ferris, because... Holy crap, what happened in this book is just an astounding achievement, in my opinion. Yeah, like much like Grand Design, uh, the art is fantastic in this book as well, too. Uh, this does not take a traditional narrative structure uh, because it's not panels, it's not grids. It's like you're reading it, It's like you're reading a 10-year-old girl's basically journal. Yep. Uh, and it gives you that experience. There's words in the margin. Uh, there's words written under arts. There's words that shape and senses that shape around an image. Uh, and the art style can even change from page to page, too. It is incredible what, what she's able to do with just a ballpoint pen. Yeah, it's baffling to me. I mean, I can do it if yeah. I really try. Yeah, it makes you feel like a real human garbage. But she she yeah. really, really tried. Like, I can't draw a straight line with a ballpoint pen. Not only that, but with a ruler. for this story to come to print... Uh, was years and years and years of this woman's life. Um, she even had a debilitating disease that she overcame. Uh, on top of that, after everything got printed and she finished her book up, they fucking got lost in the shipping container in the middle of the fucking ocean. Uh, yeah. After all of that, this book finally came to pass uh, after overcoming all of her uh, adversities. And what a fucking triumph this book is. Uh, it essentially tells its... I mean, it's autobiographical, uh, but it's told by Emil from when she was a 10-year-old girl, but it's told from the viewpoint of when she was 10. It's not essentially Emil looking back now. It's her trying to remember how she remembered events when she was 10 years old. Uh, 
if there's anything that's close to a modern classic in comic books, I would say this is definitely in that realm. Uh, I don't know about Cosmic you. Ghost Rider, but sure, close. sure, sure, or Immortal Hulk, Hulk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely those Marvel yeah. stories. Yeah. But if you're including one that's not, I think this is pretty damn close. Okay, so you're what talking you th- about Just League Dark. <laughs> yeah, damn. Okay, you got me again. So, what do you think about the story in this book? Because obviously, it's it's autobiographical, so it's it's not fair. She had a cool life. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was really good. I I appreciated the narrative structure. At times, like it would lose me for a certain like issue, then it would bring me back in for another issue as well too. Because there's parts of the story that I found I thought were more interesting than other parts, and I want to know more about those parts. Sure. But uh, you hit pause and you tell another, and it's that's the problem with doing something that's autobiographical is real life isn't always just rising action the entire time. Not only that, it's from a 10-year-old's perspective, so a 10-year-old doesn't have that kind of a attention span where they can really focus on just this one thing. Unless it's about solving a murder. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It kind of weaves in and out, and maybe you've got this really strong desire to to do this one thing, but it's it's going to lose and gain steam throughout the course of time. Uh, This book, too, what it does, which I really liked, was that each new issue, or each new chapter in a way, is a new comic book cover, and that's how it's a new chapter signaled, and it's done in the style of the classic horror comic books as well. Uh, yeah, and these, I I look forward to, I was very excited to finish a chapter because I wanted to see what the cover of the next one was because they are painstakingly beautiful, and you could tell hours and hours and hours went into each fucking one of these things. Yeah, I mean, the amount of time that it took to create this book is... Is incredible. She's doing her second one. It should be up yeah. before too long, too. Yeah. Uh, Fanographics, man. They're doing some cool stuff. And I think this is the first Fanographic books that I've read, to my knowledge. Nope. You've read Megan Mog. I don't remember. I've... You gave it like a four. Okay. That's I gave I it to you in a trade swap. Yeah. It was oh, about... yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, okay. They're... Yeah. By the I way, their newest memory. story should be out in like July oh. or August, and I can't wait. Rush to your local comic book store. Uh, don't because they probably won't have it unless they've got a bunch of fan. That's what I'm saying. Books. Rush local comic book store. Pick up Immortal <laughs> Hulk instead. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, but uh, Emil, when she's ten year old, she views herself as a monster, a a werewolf like creature. Uh, she draws herself that's hairy. She has fangs sticking out from the bottom of her lip. Kind of reminds me of the art style uh, from like where the wild things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good and accurate. Uh, and her. Brother, older brother, much older brother, uh, takes care of her with her mom. Uh, Dees! Who is a uh, tattoo artist with some demons himself. Uh, and the mother, it doesn't say what she does for work, uh, but eventually she gets cancer as well. Uh, and that's part of the tragedy that we deal with as well in this book. Yeah, that wasn't something I saw coming for the first three quarters no. of the book. I, I expected Dees to, to be dead by, by the end of it. I did too. And then yeah. it, it went a whole different route. Yeah. And Man, was that ever heartbreaking? Yeah, it was. I didn't. I didn't see it coming, and when when it finally hits, it was it hit me in the feels. I don't know about you, because we you should, invest so much time in three quarters of this book. You think it's one thing, and then it turns yeah. out to be a whole different thing. Altogether. We say too, this book takes place in the late '60s in Chicago as well. Yeah. Um, and it's there's also the opening catalyst for this book is really their neighbor Anka is dead. Uh. And Emil thinks that she was murdered, uh, and some people think that she was murdered as well, but there, no one was arrested for it. Yeah, and then it really kind of del- delves into her history and kind of what she found out about 
Anka's history. And then it kind of delves more into uh, her friends and the freaks that she hangs out with, quote unquote freaks. Yeah. And the fact that she's um, gay and she's yep. trying to deal with that and trying to understand that as well, too. Yeah. In a world where she's already uh, lower class, a minority, uh, and dealing with an overcrowded urban city uh, and feels like she's already an outcast at her school and socially as well. I relate to none of those things because I'm a 30 year old man, uh, but holy crap, did it make me feel things and it put me in somebody else's shoes and I was there. I mean, I listen to punk rock. I'm pretty sure that makes me an outcast. Yep. So, yeah. This yeah. is the same yeah. thing. It's yeah, the exact, exact same, same thing. thing. If you like punk yeah. rock music yeah. and you read my favorite thing is monsters, you'll say that's me. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that makes you a minority as well too. I listening to punk rock. So yeah. yeah, I'm at least two of those boxes. Uh, minority threat, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That'd be a great cover, man. (laughs) Um, Copyright Matt and Alex. (laughs) We can't do anything with it, but if you want to buy it from us, we'll probably won't sell sell you anything. But, you know, maybe put us on the, uh, put our names on the guest list. Yeah, Um, give give me a six pack and put us on the guest list. um, I won't show up, but put us on anyway. Just one or two of your beer tickets. It doesn't matter. That's fine. Um, So what would you say? uh, Actually, before we go, to that part there's also a large chunk of the story is emil uncovering a lot about anka's past uh where he yeah. discovers first being narrated by anka's uh the relationship was never truly clear but I'll, I'll say roommate uh for part of it, mr silverberg uh having listening to tapes that anka narrated about her past where she was uh living in germany uh right during the out right before and during the outbreak of world war ii uh, where she was sold to be a prostitute as a young girl uh, and got herself freed from that, uh, at least temporarily. Uh, so, and that was a big chunk of the middle of the book. Uh, and Emil becomes obsessed with it, trying to learn more about who Anka was and trying to uh, understand this woman that she cared for a lot. Yeah, it was it was a, a murder. I mean, it, it is a murder mystery at a lot of times. And it it was really interesting delving into this other person's past, especially through this medium. And I thought, it was, I mean, it's a murder mystery, like Matt said, but much like real life, not all murders are solved, and we don't get an answer to who killed Anka. I know who killed her. No, you have an idea. <laughs> it's never for sure. Yes, I know we're both thinking it could be Dracula. He's everywhere, but <laughs> he is infinite. Yeah. He is all. But the coronary didn't have anything about bite marks on the neck. Yeah, I think that he was paid off. <laughs> what do you pay off Dracula with? <laughs> I won't get into it. I don't want to sell myself out right now. Count Chocula. <laughs> oh, damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Um, but I mean, like I, I'm looking forward to the second, uh, trade of this book when it comes out, because I want to know more of a meal story. Like that to me is the biggest disappointment is that this was just such a short window into her life, even though so much happened, maybe over, it was less than a year's time. I want to say, um, what was the part that hit you most emotionally? Because for me, it was the, um, her, I don't remember her friend's name because it's been a long time since I've read this and it's massive. Sally. Uh, not Sally. Uh, the, he comes in towards the end. He's portrayed as Frankenstein. <laughs> I know. I was going to, I was going to call him Frank, but it's not, uh, no, that part to me is absolutely yeah. heartbreaking because he is, is he gay and he's outcast for that? Uh, I don't know. To me, it wasn't clear because it, they yeah. were calling him slurs, but I couldn't tell it's like lumping it in or yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. That book just hit me in the feels yeah. just constantly towards the end. 
it, I think part for me was whenever, like, I didn't really realize that the mom had cancer until uh, she wore Emil's head wrap after uh, yeah. Emil's head wrap. Yeah, like that to me, uh, most much part. What did you think of the ending? Uh, I just couldn't wait to read more. I was yeah. I was just like, more please now. I thought it was interesting that Dee's murdered their brother, Victor, who we didn't know about, and who's Victor, and how that happened. Uh, yeah. What's that about? Which I guess we'll hopefully we'll learn about. It's a cliffhanger. Yeah. AF, for sure. And you read the free comic book, Dave, or, uh, of My Heart Thing is Monsters. I did, yeah. Uh, did Absolutely it directly did. continue off of this? Um, First, it was actually, like, the first bit of it was just, like, her kind of telling her story. Um, and it actually, I actually just read Mao for the first time, uh, which relates to this because she actually met Art Spiegelman at a party and I guess he had got an advanced copy of this and he was like, you know, what she did is absolutely fantastic. Wow. It's beautiful. And she lost her shit. She was like, Oh my God, thank yeah, you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the guy that yeah. wrote arguably one of the most influential and greatest, uh, comics of all time. Yeah. Complimenting you, it's a big deal. Yeah, I guess to some people, not to me. It happens yeah. all the time. Yeah, me and Art are close friends, and he is very envious of everything I do. But the rest of the my uh, the free comic book day thing for my favorite thing is monsters was was new. It was original. It was stuff that I hadn't seen before, and it was definitely involving D's and my boy. <laughs> I love him. Uh, so, what would you rate this on a scale of one to ten? It doesn't get much better than this for something original. Uh, to put it anything less than a nine is ghastly in my opinion which is actually the title of some of these uh horror comics yeah yeah yeah. so i'll give it a nine on the nose uh i'll give it an eight uh i thought it was wonderful like for art i mean it's ghastly uh and my ghastly rating is still an eight uh the the story was really interesting and heartbreaking and true and honest uh but the narrative structure wheezing out to where kind of lost my attention at times uh but, I mean, I definitely think it's something that people should settle down and read on a day when they are uh, just want to stay cozy by the fire and aren't going outside. Because it is, it is one big read. It's a, it's a perfect fall book for the fall. So go back in October and re-listen to this podcast and crack open this, this nice book. Yeah, are, are we saying don't give Fantagraphics any money until, until the fall? Yeah, save it until October. Yeah. Uh, but that wraps it up for this week's Instrument of Comics. Uh, next week will be a, another uh, paternity leave episode. Uh, and after that, we should be back to our normal programming. Uh, as always, you can email us at henchmanofcomics at gmail.com. Uh, find us on the Facebooks, the Instagrams. Like and subscribe. Uh, we like it when you do that. It makes us happy in our hearts and our holes. For the Henchman of Comics, I'm Alex Eschbeck. And I'm all of the X-Men. Henchman ain't easy.